The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber coming to you live from various locations. We are coming off the 21st record NASDAQ close of the year. Futures are weak on COVID risk today. Record case growth in Texas and California. And now trade worries as the U.S. reportedly weighs tariffs on $3 billion of EU exports. Oil's back below 40. Gold's coming off of a four-day win, Jim. But you were just talking about uh, times when it's okay to sell if you've had gains on some of these big cap uh, tech names. Yeah, I'm not advocating that this is a get out now moment. I just think that we've had such a good run. Uh, there was something that came out on the screen this morning uh, that we are having the best quarter since the four- fourth quarter of 1999. And I just can't uh, be, oh, well, so what? That's When was that? It's, that was a seminal top. Uh, there's been some uh, fantastic runs. And I think that sometimes we forget why we own stocks. We own stocks to create wealth. There was a gentleman on just now, uh, uh, Mr. Balin, and he made so many good points. Uh, he agrees with me on selling uh, the ones that have really selling some of the ones that have really moved. He would like to rotate into uh, what the stocks that haven't moved yet. What I am saying is, you know what, there's no sense if, for a lot of our investors who watch to rotate into something that hasn't moved when they can just sit and wait with some cash which is cash has been so um, vilified. Uh, and I think that I am not coming in early like some of the people. I don't need to go over their names anymore because they happen to be some very good <laughs> investors. But I am not coming in and saying get out when they did. They missed a huge move, one of the greatest moves of my lifetime. Uh, it could still go on. I did a piece last night saying uh, with Larry Williams saying the best uh, actual day of the year is the day before July 4th. But I do feel that it is not... Uh, a shocking thing to say there's so many signs that we're getting. Uh, why not obey some of them and, and go and take a little off? And maybe you, you can say, you know what, I took some off before something bad happened. Silence. Mm. David, there's a pin drop. You've stunned us into silence. Yeah. Um, I was just listening, you know, Carl, as usual, waiting for you to follow up on some of that genius. Uh, I don't know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Just uh, listen, Jim. Jim, I mean, we sat here for for weeks. Well, we had Howard Marks on yesterday, right? Howard Marks, pretty good investor, right? Um, And then I checked a a Twitter file uh, by uh, my friend Dave Portnoy, and uh, Howard Marks doesn't look that good on that. 
but at the same time, longer term, Howard Mark's been a pretty good investor. So, I mean, I think shorter term, there's people who can be very right. Uh, and that's it's really enjoyable to be right. But remember, you've made no money until the money leaves the stock market and gets into your bank account. Uh, it is one thing to rotate. We could rotate into Freeport and Caterpillar. I just can't think of a reason why. I also see and I'm not oblivious to what's happening in the polls. It looks like that Joe Biden raised more money than Trump. That was rather amazing. And he says the corporate tax rate should go up. That's $20 off the S&P. And I'm also not oblivious to what's happening to COVID in these states where I think I hope those people don't come up to us. Remember, they didn't want New Yorkers to come down to there. And I think that the idea that the baseball season is going to go on is so oblivious to what's happening on teams, unless it's just a 15-day DL when you get uh, COVID. So I'm just seeing things that make me feel like, Wow. And I'm supposed to go off, get off for a week after July 4th. And I know that's going to be canceled by a downturn. That always happens. <laughs> um, you're, you're right on election risk, too. Uh, the Times now has Biden up 14. Wow. And you mentioned Howard Marks on Closing Bell uh, yesterday uh, talking about how it's not necessarily healthy to be in a period where people are trading stocks for fun. Here's what he said. The participation of people who think it's a it's a gambling game and, uh, you know, they think of it like betting on on football uh, is not a healthy thing. Uh, I think it's what you Brits would call the punters. And uh, that's not a great thing. And, uh, you know, the the uh, the leader of the punters says that he got excited when he learned about 60 days ago that stocks only go up. And if if there's been buying uh, and if stocks are being held by people who believe that they only go up, I think that bodes ill. Now, I think that this is tangential uh, and it's at the margin. So I don't think that this is this is a a systemic challenge, but it's not healthy to have people who are buying stocks for fun. Fair to say, Jim, uh, Howard's been befuddled by uh, the price action for the last couple of months. Right. I mean, look, and I, I, you can watch uh, Dave Portnoy and take him incredibly seriously. And I think that that is not what he wants. Uh, he makes fun. He spoofs people. Or you could say, well, wait a second. Uh, do I uh, decide to follow him? And I think that he would say, don't you see that I'm having some fun? Now, is it our stock supposed to be fun? No. But you know what? The world's changed. And uh, there's a new cohort that's gotten in, and they are very binary. They do believe that you can that a, uh, that a stock is like a sports competition, but they're also there's no sports. So th- there's some people who are desperate what uh, uh, for something to do. Is is that good? Or I don't want to put any value judgment on it. All, all I can say is it's not something that happens early in a big move. And I think we can all agree that empirically, it's not something that happens early in a big move. Right. Well, Portnoy has said to you, Jim, that when uh, when sports comes back, he's going to change his focus. Right. Do a lot of other people follow? Is there going to be sort of a lack of a bid that we've seen from retail and some of these names if and when sports actually comes back slowly but surely as it eventually will? I, I uh, would say probably. I think a lot of people do uh, go into a casino and they go to games where they are uh, games of chance. And then, as we know, in a casino, there are games of skill. Blackjack's a game of skill. You can win 51-49 if you play by the rules. Right now, there's a lot of people in the game of chance. And Howard Marks is right about that. What I am hoping is those same people shift over. 
that we get a decline and those people shift over and say, you know what? I actually think that there's some longer term things I should own. Maybe I can own some fractional shares of some stocks that have come down. And so I don't want to dismiss these people. I want to help them. And it is so easy to dismiss them. And Dave would be one of the first people to say, don't you see I'm having some fun here? Meaning not that I think stocks are fun, but that I'm having fun. You know, Jim, it does bring to mind that period. And I've said this a number of times, of course, in the mid to late 90s, where we saw the dot-com boom just continue to rise. But there are a lot of differences, too, and important ones. I mean, there were so many companies that had no chance of ever having a bit of cash flow in that period. There were so many investment banks happy to take these companies public regardless because they had the word Internet in their business model in some fashion or other. There were so many analysts willing to pound the table on those companies that had been taken public despite the fact that there was no chance that they would ever have profitability. It's a bit different now. In fact, oh, it's a lot true. different now. Yes, there are speculative names. There are SPACs being created right. all over the place, special purpose acquisition corporations, which who knows what they're going to buy. There are certainly some names that we watch and say, wow, 35 times revenues. But you can make an argument for most of these that there is at least the opportunity for real growth and real free cash flow. Absolutely. And that's what makes it so difficult, David. I mean, I look at some of these. I look at a proctor and know that it's come down very big from its high. And yet it's, it's really asserting itself overseas. The dollar's not been strong. They can buy back stock. They've got a fabulous balance sheet. It's an interesting stock to me. But at the same time, you know what? I can actually make a case. I know this is ridiculous for Microsoft. Now, you can say Microsoft, that is just a stock that is off the rails. It's like Cisco when it sold at 40 times earnings in 1999. But it's not. It's a really good company that has changed its stripes and is doing cloud work in a world where we're we're a covid has changed the game. So I cannot just dismiss Microsoft. I can dismiss Royal Caribbean. I can because covid is turning out to be a much more tough enemy than we thought. But you're absolutely right. Uh, The track, I I don't like these articles which just say, you know what, this market is really overvalued because you and I both know if you backed out the cash on Alphabet, and you can do that. That's okay to do. You don't have an expensive stock. I heard someone today say that Facebook is incredibly expensive. You know what, I wish it were expensive. My travel trust owns it, but the multiple's been shrinking forever. Heather Bellini, fabulous piece out today talking about the stocks that really have had their multiple on on, on the earnings for yeah, that's a good piece. But you know what? You're right, David. It's just I, I still think it's OK to make a little money and you haven't made it until it's kitching. Right. Yeah. We'll talk more about uh, the Goldman piece. Uh, Bellini takes uh, Google to 1775. Uh, to Jim's point about uh, renewed covid risk. Let's turn to our Meg Terrell this morning. Talk about some of these states like Arizona that are coming off eight straight days of record hospitalizations. Morning, Meg. Good morning, Carl. Dr. Fauci yesterday testifying on the Hill that he's seeing a disturbing surge in multiple states, including Arizona, Florida and Texas. Uh, And he says says these next couple weeks are going to be crucial to trying to make headway to stop these trends. Yesterday, states in the U.S. reported more than 33,000 new cases. The seven-day average rose for eight straight days. It's now at about 29,000. The positive rate of tests yesterday hitting 6.7 percent. That's the highest in more than a month. Now, seven states 
states reported new highs for current hospitalizations from Arizona, Arkansas, California. More than 5,000 people currently hospitalized, 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 hospitalized. Uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Texas now uh, more than 4,000. Houston's Texas Medical Center warning that it may exceed ICU capacity uh, within two weeks. Now, cities that are seeing uh, the uh, fastest growth, uh, Phoenix, Arizona at 10 days case doubling time, Tampa, San Antonio, uh, Orlando, Austin, whereas those areas in the Northeast guys seeing those fastest slowdowns. So a quite concerning trends, health officials warning uh, action needs to be taken now to try to stop them. Uh, that was certainly a theme of uh, Fauci's testimony yesterday, Meg. Uh, we'll dig into that a lot more later on this hour. Thanks, uh, Meg Terrell. We'll take a quick break here. As we said earlier, futures a bit weak. A lot of calls to get to. We mentioned uh, Goldman on Google, but there's some target changes on Amazon, upgrade of Morgan Stanley, uh, downgrade of PayPal, and a new street high on Peloton. We're back after a short break. Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Welcome back. Some reports after the bell yesterday from the Wall Street Journal indicating that Dell is considering a spinoff or other transaction, perhaps a sale of its 83% stake in VMware, frustrated by the fact that it doesn't seem to get any credit for a stake that is basically worth the overall market cap of Dell before you even get to Dell's business. Uh, You're seeing right there, of course, shareholders reacting to that possibility. Uh, I can uh, confirm what the Wall Street Journal uh, did report yesterday as well. This is certainly something that is being studied uh, by the company. Now, we should point out it is not something that can happen until at the earliest, September of 2021, given that is when you could actually do a spin that would be tax-free to shareholders because you need five years to actually pass prior to uh, to uh, from the the time that they made the purchase. Um, What would it look like? Well, that's what's sort of going on right now in terms of some of the advisors who are investigating this for Dell and obviously Dell itself. Again, the timeline on this is quite some time away, but you do at least have uh, for now sort of operational guys going deep for a bit, trying to understand it. These two companies have been brought together. And so there is also the question of when you separate them, can you still at least uh, maintain the benefit that they have of Michael Dell going out and making sales calls, for example, on behalf of VMware and or any number of other things is this one Dell approach that they've had that have been beneficial for both companies. What would it mean? Well, Dell, the hope would be, would become an uh, investment grade company, for example, because you would jettison a certain amount of debt with VMware if it were to be spun to shareholders. You would expect that it would perform fairly well. It would, of course, potentially show the value in Dell's business and accord value to those shareholders who look at VMware and go, why isn't any of the ownership stake reflected in the market cap or how much is, or is it simply that we don't value Dell's business at all? So uh, a long way to go here. It does appear likely to move towards that as this year and next year move along. Um, But Jim, it's going to be quite a while. You'd imagine some of the large holders, remember Elliott has been in there, 
uh, would be happy with it, uh, one would imagine. Michael Dell would, would own a pretty sizable stake in VMware, given his ownership stake in Dell, and it would be spun off, remember, to existing shareholders. So perhaps there won't be the friction that he always seems to face, whether it's when he took Dell private or when he was taking it public again and the value of VMware. People always question, at least some, Carl Icahn, for example, question his motives. Perhaps they wouldn't do so as much here. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on it. But again, there's a long way to go here. Well, Dell had a dynamite quarter. They've been probably the principal hardware beneficiary of the stay-at-home movement. It turned out that they had a much better quarter, say, than HP. I think VMware is a fabulous company, and it's a great onboard company, uh, chiefly to Amazon Web Services, but also to the other cloud companies. I find that it's been constrained by the ownership uh, by Dell, because people have been thinking one day it has to happen. And I think Michael Dell, it's been constrained by just what is going to happen with this chunk. David, the tax implications... Would they uh, would they change? Um, let's say we had a Biden presidency in 2021. Would we expect that 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 Michael Dell would not make as much money? No, not necessarily. I mean, I suppose, you know, it's a spin. So the key here is right. it being treated tax free. That's sort of been a part of the of, of tax treatment Great for a very point. long time. At least, you know, it has to take place five years after you purchase the asset for it to actually be spun off in a tax free manner, Jim. So I don't see that as changing. One part, though, that could figure into this, and it does figure into a lot of the conversations now that at least I'm hearing from investment bankers, is, listen, if Dell was once again sort of independent, you'll shrink to grow, would it want to do an acquisition? Could you ever imagine it going out and trying to merge with HP? Well, under a Biden administration, that might become less tenable. It would probably take forever, regardless of the administration from an antitrust level. But you know, that's what keeps coming up when you think about a Biden administration. Would antitrust be even tougher? I mean, that said, it's been so unpredictable under the Trump administration right. that it's, it's hard to necessarily say one would be better than another. But it's certainly coming up now. And when bankers talk to companies that are even thinking about things, it's almost too late at this point. You're not going to get something announced before Inauguration Day, or I should say closed, excuse me. Uh, but it comes up. And so that would potentially also be a gating issue for Dell if after this transaction it wanted to actually do another deal. Well, if we thought that these were strategic industries, then I could see a Peter Navarro saying, look, we want to stop the Chinese PC companies, which have been making inroads. Let these two companies merge, Adele and HP, become a juggernaut. And uh, boy, would they save a lot of costs. It would be a terrific move. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we've seen T-Mobile merge, obviously, with Sprint to big peaks of T-Mobile business being sold today, looking like it's pretty good if you got some stock at one or three. But David, I think we got to watch this because I really believe that Michael Dell's company well, I was very surprised that the stock didn't move up more after that quarter. And I bet you Michael was, too. Michael shot the lights out. That was a fantastic conference call. I thought this thing was on the way to the moon. And holy cow, it just got stymied. It got hit that brick wall. But that was they 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 crushed it in the stay at home work, work universe. It's crushed it. Yeah, well, and that you get to the frustration and the reason why they are examining this because of that frustration with the lack of movement in the stock price, really ever since the company returned to the public markets, Jim. Very true. Guys, take a quick break here. Uh, we're going to talk to the IMF later on this morning. They have some renewed forecasts for 2020. And we'll tell you the one advanced economy that they see posting positive growth in 2020 when we come back. 
Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Futures week this morning, but uh, NASDAQ, of course, coming off that record close yesterday, now 16% above its 200-day moving average, although only 45% of constituents are above their same average at all. We're back in a moment. Four minutes before the opening bell, a rare down open it would appear to be when we get started with trading. Let's get to a mad dash, though. Here's a stock that has not seen a lot of down days, Peloton. Yep, I, I bring up Peloton. People are saying, why do you pick on Square? I happen to love Square, so just you know, get that on, on the record. But Peloton, David, continued momentum is the piece name from KeyBank, raising estimates. This has been happening over and over again. Now, what do they say? Well, the, the weekly delivery checks turned out to be 7 to 11 weeks. Well, that's not new. We've known that. Social distancing will severely limit the boutique fitness market. Well, that's not new. We knew that, okay? We see multiple catalysts to drive long-term growth. All the catalysts are known. $15 billion company. Great company. Fantastic. Perfect for this moment. Uh, and as we get more cases of COVID, even more perfect. But nothing in there that hasn't been thought of before. And that's what I'm concerned about. You take the same information and you pay more for it every day has not been a good sign. And I don't think a lot of the newer people realize that that is not a good sign. I think they may think, wow, once again, look at that. Look at that. Look at that. It's not like that. It's the opposite. Every one of the reasons why this gentleman says, and I believe it is gentleman, yes, that you should buy it are things that we've all thought of. They're not new. There's nothing new. It's just that let's pay more for it. And I want to not play that. I'd rather find something that is actually doing much better than I thought. And maybe Peloton is, but without knowledge of it, I'm just paying the the higher price for the same thing I knew yesterday. You you are, but it still begs the question, what actually ends up turning it around? I mean, I know fewer buyers than sellers, but what actually creates those conditions, Jim, is the key question here, particularly with the Fed. Uh, where it is right now. Uh, And this idea that stocks only go up, which in some ways, at least for those who are new to this market, is a belief that they uh, don't see being tested. Well, how about if someone says, listen, we want to sell a ton of stock? How about insider selling? Uh, How about if if you started seeing a vaccine? If you heard something, let's say if Meg broke in right now, and said the, that Moderna, which happens to be one of the more a company that likes to talk, Moderna has now seen good results for six weeks. Well, do you not think that 
uh, that people would say, wow, isn't that one of the principal reasons why we wanted to buy Peloton is the competition's hobbled. So you have a vaccine, you have potential insider selling. In the interim, yes, the sky's the limit. Uh, stocks are fun. Uh, they only go up. These are all things that you and I have heard of you know, a couple times in our career. And again, I come back and say those times can continue, but they were not the beginning of a major move. Right. Right. Did you, did you like the Portnoy video of Warren Buffett throwing pitches at Portnoy and he keeps circling the bases? Uh, do you worry at all with Portnoy? I mean, he's, he's recommending some of these really small stocks now. Well, I don't I just like wonder, that. Is that guy, That's I mean, what's he doing? You know, is he, is he recommending stuff and say there's no, no regulation that stops him from saying whatever the heck he wants and then selling it once it goes up based on the people who are following him, Jim. Well, I don't, I don't like that. He's not, under the, he's not under the regulations we have where obviously we can't own stocks. We can't right. own corporate bonds. We can't own options. Can't virtually own much of anything other than ETFs. Well, I look, it raises issues, but I think that uh, the opening of baseball season, he said on air with me that he's ready to do sports. Uh, He likes stocks, but there's nobody better in sports, and he's having a good time in stocks. And again, I think having a good time, what he thinks, is different from my good time. My good time is saying, you know what? What a great thing. Facebook has run up big. I'll sell half my Facebook and play with the house's money. That, to me, is a great time. These are different great times. Indeed, Jim. There's the opening bell, guys, uh, as we uh, wait to see how Brett fills in. Uh, As we uh, look for that, Jim, you mentioned Facebook. uh, The Times with a piece out today about how the ad boycott is gaining steam. It's now North Face, Patagonia, REI. Eddie Bauer, Magnolia Pictures, uh, of course, company has 8 million advertisers, uh, but uh, there is a growing sense that advertisers are, seeing, are conflicted when, uh, when it comes to how they see Facebook's uh, stance on hate speech. Right. I think that you have to look at the makeup of what Facebook is doing. There's Facebook shops, uh, the strength in the Facebook small to midsize uh, is, is rather telling. It's the same thing, by the way, you see it in, in the stock of Etsy. Uh, they've they've really done a lot of pivoting. Now, yes, the consumer products there may be there may be some uh, residual anger at them. And I'm not a, a, a fan at all of their stance, just to go on record. But uh, I also know that we've seen these periodic attacks by the Times on on Facebook. Now, obviously, they don't read. I happen to think they're attacks because the articles appear and then. So look at these. These are all companies that are very I'm, I'm sure that, that a lot of people remember the right right would say they're sanctimonious. I think these are really fantastic companies that have great conscience. Uh, but there's just thousands of advertisers that don't have any other way to get to the to the, the, their customers than through Facebook. So uh, these are periodic North Face, remember, part of VF. Uh, and then people come back. And I just think that uh, it may be uh, if you have a Ben and Jerry's has a great conscience and they don't like uh, uh, what Facebook stands for. But sure, they can afford to, to say no to their audience. But a lot of companies can't afford to say no. They have to be in there. And I think that's important. Yeah, we should point out uh, the boycott, so to speak, only really goes uh, for most of these the companies through uh, the end of July, uh, which sort of raises questions about uh, how firmly you believe in what you're saying if you're going to come back to the advertising platform in the next couple of weeks. Um, Amazon, Jim, uh, I see Webbush now goes to 3050. Yeah, so we're not only talking about three handles. Yep. Yeah. 
Look, I struggle with Amazon. It's the largest position in my chapel trust by far. Uh, and why is that? Because, well, the answer is, is because I think that it's the, it's the most fundamental transforming company of our of our era other than Apple. Uh, but when I read this, I say, well, wait a second. He's paying up again for nobody necessarily thinks this is a big quarter for earnings. Uh, this, they're spending four billion dollars on covid to be sure that that, that their workers are uh, more protected than others. And I wish he hadn't done the piece. I mean, I know you can't say, well, put it back in the bottle. But I think that, you know, this is not the time to pound the table on on Amazon. The time was when it was at 1800 or when the president attacked it for uh, the post office. Uh, and ripping off the post office. You, you wait till stocks are down to make these kinds of calls, not when they're flying. It's not the way you do it. It has not been a great way to do it. It's a skill set. And David, you know it, too. There's a skill set to when to upgrade. You wait. You hold back. You keep your powder dry. You wait for the whites of the eyes and then you strike. You don't say that stocks always go up. And I woke up this morning and liked Amazon. No, there's good ways to yeah. do it in bad ways. No. It's okay. Right. We may be entering a time period of time, though, where analysis is going to fail to really identify key moments uh, or, and or, I mean, of course, this has been the case for many, many years. There are only a handful of analysts who really find true pieces of information that right. are of real value, Jim. Uh, you know, we can, people can talk about valuation. They can be true to it and downgrade as a result of it. But uh, it's you know, rare that you find the analyst who actually find something that is uh, a piece of information that uh, an investor would want to know in terms of how they're identifying a certain security and how to value it. Well, how about the Biden stocks? Um, how about the Biden stocks? You, you know, the, the, okay. the health care, the health maintenance insurers, they stopped going up. Uh, the drug stocks stopped going up. The uh, bank stocks stocks going up. Uh, these are all Biden stocks. And, and I think that we can't be yeah. oblivious to the Biden stocks. These are stocks that when Biden's ratings go up, they go down. And now you're starting to hear talk about maybe the bank dividends are going to go when they do the stress tests. And I don't look, I don't right. even mind two markets because we've had two markets forever. I came up with Fang years ago. All right. I don't mind that. It's just that I, I, I don't like to see the, a whole cohort of probably 40 percent of the market that goes down if Biden gets elected, because that is not going to be a positive thing for the stock market. Uh, no, but there are a lot of other things that come into play uh, in this election beyond the performance of the stock market, Jim. Uh, and by the way, we can say the same thing. We can all remember the night that uh, Trump was elected and the, and the immediate response and then what happened afterwards. That's true. We're raising points. Understood. And it's still really early. Um, Jim, you mentioned the financials. Uh, It'll be interesting to see their quarters because the level of debt and equity capital markets activity has been extraordinary. And there is certainly something to be expected there in terms of big profitability for the banks that are active, very active in the capital markets. Now, it may be muted as a result of increase in reserves that we've seen and will continue to likely see. But one would have to imagine the financials are definitely benefiting, you know, the Goldman, the Morgan Stanley, J.P. Morgan's, you know the names, from this incredible activity. And then, of course, that does take me to T-Mobile, which I'm watching claw back here to basically flat. They sold 198 million shares at 103. I tweeted about it yesterday. Um, You know, number of sovereign funds. You broke the the story. Don't say you tweeted about it. You broke the story. 
I, well, it, it, you know, we've been following this for quite some time. Apparently, they did uh, reduce the size of the convertible offering, which could be also having some a bit of an impact. But there it is. That's that's really extraordinary. But oh, this no, it isn't extraordinary. Be because it is extraordinary because uh, Sanofi sold 13 million shares of Regeneron at the deal's price of 515. Right. Uh, it's now 628. And uh, uh, PNC yep. sold uh, a ton of BLK uh, at, at, at 420. And now I'll take a look where that is. It's, it's up uh, gigantically. Yep. So it's not necessarily unusual. They've been great no. deals. In this market, you're right. And I would, it seems as though there are any number of investors who want to make T-Mobile sort of a cornerstone of their portfolios. Yes. Happy to do it at 103 for a sizable chunk and will likely be holders for some time. Remember, we now have three wireless players and this company's market value is rapidly rising. Uh, not quite to the levels of Verizon and AT&T, but not that far. Uh, well, all right, 60 billion or so, oh, 70 billion away, but, but still... Yeah, in the in the kind of ballpark and no longer led by John Ledger, but very aggressive. Uh, the deal to sell boost to Dish, by the way, also comes up today back to capital markets. Dish is going to be raising a billion dollars in senior notes for general corporate purposes, the company says. But this will refocus people on the on the uh, 5G efforts, of course, of, of, of Dish and uh, its founder, uh, Charlie Ergen. Uh, they continue to move aggressively in that area. I continue to uh, hear there's a question, of course, as to whether they will be able to raise as much money as they need. Will they bring in a deep-pocketed partner of some kind? Could that be a cable company? Could it be the likes of a Google? Or will uh, Mr. Ergen uh, choose to still go it alone? Um, you know, Jim, it always takes me back to something you, I think, have pointed to a number of times when you hear about Dish and you hear about the 5G efforts that they're going to be making, which is the tower companies. I don't know how they've been performing lately, but one would imagine they are still the beneficiaries of this. Oh, they've been great. SBAC has been great, and I like Crown Castle. Uh, American Tower has been my favorite, but you, 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 Mr. Takeless left. Uh, but it's still just a, it's a fabulous, fabulous company. These guys have been such huge winners. You wish you were in that business. It reminds me of when people first had a vision of owning a small uh, a, a, a cell phone company. I mean, these guys have been just coining money. Takelet went to what? To Lockheed Martin? He's just yeah, he's CEO of Lockheed Martin. Uh, yeah. That guy, when the shorts were after him, he came right on. He demonstrated exactly where the shorts were wrong. Uh, unbelievable buying opportunity. Took the shorts on in a way that I've very rarely seen. A man of great conviction and just said, listen, it's a 10-year, 10-year roadmap. He was wrong. It's probably now about 14. Look at that. Look at that stuff. Forget that downturn there. Look at the longer term. Yeah. It's been amazing. David, how about Comcast being involved? Parent company this network. And what? Well, you were talking about a cable company might be involved. Oh, you know, it's possible. I mean, listen, I'm, we're, we're going to be continuing to, I'm going to focus on at least Dish because I just think it's interesting. And it was such an important part of the government's willingness to allow the T-Mobile Sprint merger, not to mention the judge who, who uh, said no to New York State and other states about blocking the deal as well, his plan. Uh, and, you know, will it be focused on the enterprise? where there's going to be a real need for 5G on factory floors and things of that nature. Will it be truly nationwide or focused in key sort of markets? 
A lot of questions at this point, not a lot of answers. Ergen said 10 billion is kind of the number. Some have questioned that, although there has been a significant change in terms of the way that you actually uh, go about building these networks. So much of it has now become about software as opposed to uh, um, you know, having to put the box in at the tower base and things of that nature, Jim. But uh, it's, gonna, it's gonna keep my attention. Um, and focus on that T-Mobile. T-Mobile finishes up, David. That's just a sign of tremendous yeah. demand. You know, you mentioned earlier. Well, what's different? Uh, why is it not? Uh, are there? Why could it go on? The demand for equities is insatiable because there's no yield anywhere. That's the Fed again. And a lot of the places that had good dividends, right. like in the REITs, they had to eliminate their no, dividends. Yep. We're desperate for yield, and, and you're seeing yeah. what happens when you're desperate for yield. Yep. Um, and Carl, uh, yesterday, I, we American Airlines, uh, uh, Phil's been reporting on their capital raise. I did misstate yesterday. They remember they increased actually both the convertible and the common stock offering at American Airlines. But both of those airlines, a, a UAL American, have been quite successful in raising new money as well. Yeah, uh, travels uh, getting a, a ton of news this week. S and P cuts Carnival to junk uh, following Moody's earlier last month. And then, of course, uh, Barclays cuts both Royal Caribbean and Norwegian to equal weight today. Yeah. Uh, so we're down about 2.30 here uh, on the Dow. Let's get to Bob Bassani. Hey, Bob. And that Carnival Cruise uh, commentary, uh, I think, very important overall. Uh, two issues moving the market, the reopening trade and trade and tariff in general. So let's take a look at the sectors here. And remember, when the reopening uh, issue is not going as well as people had hoped, generally you get impact on energy stocks, bank stocks, industrials. That's exactly what we're seeing. Tech continues its relative outperformance and its absolute outperformance. And consumer discretionary, which moves a lot with tech because it's tech-oriented, also doing well here. So there you see uh, the energy banks and industrials a bit on the weak side. So is the reopening story going well or not? Carl was referencing the trade and travel, uh, the travel and leisure stocks here. So Carnival's down on the, the, the debt downgrade over there at S&P uh, that we saw Barclays downgrading the cruise lines. Inexplicably, they had it at overweight. I don't know why, but you see the impact there going on. Uh, Gottlieb was talking about the possibility that hospitals in Texas, California, Florida, Arizona might have to make decisions to suspend elective surgeries again. Obviously, that's having an impact on, on all of this. Another issue is trade and tariffs. Look at the S&P futures overnight. About 3.30, we had reports that there might be a whole nother little trade war on tariffs uh, with uh, the EU and the United States. Uh, that dropped Europe. Europe opened down about 2%. There you see us dropping uh, on that news. Been very wild over ses overnight sessions recently in the futures overall. So now we're debating about gin and beer and olives and trucks and transports. Uh, so you can see some of these European stocks. All the car names were down, like Daimler and Volkswagen were down. Uh, some of the aircraft companies that were down, like Saffron uh, and the banks, like BMP Paribas, all were down here. So this is taking a little longer than everybody thinks, and the trade and tariffs issue is another layer uh, of distress on the markets that we're seeing. Still not a Affecting mega cap names, guess what? Everybody's still positive among the big mega cap stocks, uh, Apple, Amazon. <laughs> Here they are, all positive, folks. The biggest stocks that are out there uh, still moving the markets. And that's the most important thing to look at. The dispersion between sectors this year is truly remarkable. Normally, it's not unusual to get a you know, 10 percentage point swing between the high sector and the low sector. This is the end of the first half of the year that we're dealing with. But these are pretty extraordinary dispersions here. So technology is up 14% for the year. Consumer discretionary, which has many tech stocks, essentially tech oriented, are up. 
And look at everything else. Remember, the S&P is down about 4% for the year. This is for the year. So healthcare, even healthcare, relative outperformer doing pretty well, but industrials down 15%, banks down 30%, and still showing no signs of bouncing. And that's the story for the first half of the year. It's tech that's winning out on the stay-at-home story, and everything else, healthcare doing okay as well, but everything else kind of struggling still, if you look underneath the hood. Guys, back to you. Yeah, that's, uh, that's true, Bob. NASDAQ's gone green as a Zoom video hits a new record high. Let's get to Rick Santelli as well this morning. Hey, Rick. Good morning, Carl. Today of tens is a fascinating chart. Yesterday's high, 73 basis points. Uh, today we're going to look to see if that resistance works. And do remember that if we look at the last time rates really had a surge, and they are surging just a little bit, we've been up in yield every day, even though today has turned unchanged for the week. If you look back, you could see on a month-to-day chart that the five or six sessions leading to the last employment report really juiced interest rates. They ended up trading over 90 basis points. It's mathematical. When you shut the economy, things aren't going to measure out well. When you reopen it, as spotty as some may believe, it's going to improve. And that was the issue last employment report. And now the reopenings have hit a stride. Many believe that we're going to see improvement on the employment front. If we do, look for the same type of pattern. Look for rates to rise as we go into a week from this Friday's employment report. As for the dollar index, yesterday its low was right under 96.40, which is unchanged on the year. And we did get a bounce off of unchanged. We're up about a third of a cent. But maybe sometimes it's better to take a step back. Take a step back. Let's look at a four-year chart. Many of my sources that are cycle traders say once you trade over a hundred and a dollar index, it seems though it cycles down in three-year cycles. So we would look to see a turn. It doesn't mean it's going to be weaker every day or weaker every month, but in the general scheme of things, the trade over a hundred usually is a breaker for the dollar index. Carl, Jim, David, back to you. All right, Rick, thank you very much. We'll take a break here. Obviously, Dow down to 60. Got a couple components in the green, including Apple and Microsoft, uh, but a lot of the financials and uh, industrials and energy leading it lower. We're back in a moment. We mentioned earlier Apple's the top performing Dow component, despite, Jim, this Politico piece uh, citing three sources that uh, the DOJ and a coalition of state AGs are taking the first steps, they say, toward launching an antitrust probe of the company. Well, I just think that this idea that the uh, the app store is some sort of vast monopoly uh, is kind of like saying that Facebook's a vast monopoly over a lot of social media. I mean, uh, Alphabet's a monopoly over a, a vast source of, of querying. You, you know what? What are you going to do? You're successful. And it is surprising to me that the Trump administration would go after someone who's successful. Uh, that's not that's supposed to be in the DNA of what Trump stands for. So I'm not a buyer into this uh, sell sell call and that uh, maybe people are going to take action because the stock has been up so much. But good luck. Good luck. It, it, this is not the kind of case that I think should ultimately impact the stock. There'll be a settlement if you really want to go that far. Uh, but don't sell the stock on this. Sell it because the company's doing poorly, which is not. But you don't think, Jim, I mean, you just mentioned it. Of course, Google does dominate search. Facebook does dominate social. Apple does dominate in this area and has incredible influence over the ability of a company to be successful uh, if it needs the app store to get distribution. We were talking about 
you know, Biden uh, administration. I was talking about it from an antitrust perspective on deals. But don't you think that there might be a heightened uh, scrutiny as well? Although it's not as though there hasn't been some scrutiny already from the DOJ. Yeah, and that, that's my and point. And it, there, I just don't think that this DOJ is is going to be the, the trust buster. Uh, I just don't see it that way. Uh, I know that if Elizabeth Warren were at the top of the ticket, you would expect the DOJ to be a trust buster. But at a certain point, I think the president would say, is this really a pressing issue? Now, he's peripatetic. Uh, but the idea that the Apple App Store, I mean, you know, round up the usual suspects, David. We're at Casablanca, OK? Gambling. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it is kind of like that. Yeah. Elizabeth Warren as attorney general could be interesting. Oh, well, that would. Yeah. Wow. David, that Apple would be cut to the core. Rob, that brings to mind uh, the comments out of uh, ValueX, Jeff Ubbin, which maybe we'll talk about after the break with the Dow down 330. The cruise lines have had it handed to them this week, uh, cutting their debt rating to junk, uh, downgrades from Barclays today for both Royal Caribbean and Norwegian, and of course, more suspensions of global cruises through September 15. They're leading the S&P lower this morning. We're back in a couple of minutes. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. You know, the Jonas Brothers, which, of course, represents uh, Adam Jonas in his split personality over Morgan Stanley, talks about how the EV business for uh, GM could be worth $100 billion. Of course, the company is only valued about $40 billion. Why? Well, he's looking at the Tesla valuation versus GM. But then again, comes back and says, you know, maybe it's uh, while well, he has an overweight for GM, that may not be the right way to look at it. And I find this the Hamletization of research is very tough for me with Mr. Jonas. Uh, but just be aware that GM is incredibly cheap versus Tesla. And yet I would still say buy Tesla. I like Tesla. Uh, yeah, I don't uh, like GM. I, I saw some. Uh, you prefer you prefer Tesla to GM? Oh, absolutely. I mean, un- unquestionably. Uh, and Tesla, uh, obviously, it's had such a run. It'd be great if it was weaker. But I'm not sure of the value of GM in a new world, other than the fact that it, it should be going up. It's because the, if you fear of COVID, you can't carpool and you can't take mass transit. But people have been buying AutoNation instead. And they're buying CarMax instead. They've been buying Carvana instead. And uh, that's the way to play autos. So uh, people are playing Tesla as if China's going to be big and Germany's going to be big. And I'm not fighting it. I'm not, I haven't been fighting it for 600 points. I'm not fighting it now. Yeah. Uh, Item crossed the tape a little bit ago. Uh, Auto Safety Agency opens probe into some Model S's on reports of touchscreen failures, Jim. But Tesla's been down this road. All all automakers are down this road from time to time. Yeah, I like it actually for 700 points. Now, I mean, you see these things, they investigate and and you pay a penalty. Look, a lot of us probably wish if they investigate something serious would happen, but that's not the way it works, okay? There are instances like Boeing where, holy cow, that investigation is a serious one, and it has wrecked that stock and hurt that company tremendously. But for the most part, investigations are open because some people are angry and the Justice Department looks into it or somebody looks into it and they, you come to a settlement. And, and that's the way the legal system works, unless it's GM for ignition failure that causes death or the Boeing investigation, which is sure. the most serious I, I think I can recall. Uh, indeed. Indeed, Jim. There's a lot of that. Uh, brewing at least at the moment. Uh, how about Mad tonight? Well, you know what? I decided to go a little bit different. I think that 
we need to do contact tracing. And Governor Raimondo has done more about how to reopen a state. I think people from Texas, Arizona, Florida, Georgia, you should listen to what this governor has to say. She's a business person and she knows how to handle this. Okay, well, it's a small state, blah, blah, blah. I can tell you that there are ways to do it, way to open and ways to not. And that's why you got to speak to this governor. Uh, Governors are at the center of this storm. Uh, Jim, we're getting new numbers out of Texas even as we speak. Uh, We'll see you tonight. Okay, thank you. Mad Money, of course, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Thank you. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.